You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where you get Just the News. What an idea. Thanks for joining us. You know all about us, and we're so grateful. Believe it or not, this is closing in on our 40th episode. It's hard to believe we've been going so long already. We're very excited. And today we have a wonderful interview with the Republican leader of the California Senate. She's uh, Shannon Grove, Senator from Northern California, on the front lines of the big experiment to reopen California's economy. She has some sharp words for Governor Newsom and some learnings about uh, how we're going to go about reopening America and getting back to a new normal uh, where we have businesses open and people going to work and jobs being restored. Uh, She also weighs in on the big religious liberty battle between uh, governments and churches and uh, has a remarkable comparison about the difference how people can go to Lowe's uh, in in groups larger than 10, uh, but not to church. Uh, She thinks that too many governors are treating church like it was an entertainment venue instead of an essential religious freedom. So we're going to talk to her also, new and very important developments on the Russia collusion case. The investigation of the investigators warms up. We're going to talk about two things, Christopher Ray and a new letter to free the transcripts. That may sound familiar because a couple of weeks ago on this very podcast, we broke the story of the transcripts that Adam Schiff has been hiding, keeping from the American public for nearly two years. Now a campaign is broken out among House Republicans to free the transcripts right after the commercial break. We'll get right to it. All right. Welcome back from the commercial break. And uh, so glad you're joining us today. Please remember to support our sponsors. We're so blessed to have them. They make what we do at Just the News and John Solomon Reports possible. And the best way to show your love for our work is to show our love, your love to our wonderful advertisers and sponsors. All right, before we get to Shannon Grove, the Senate Minority Leader of the California Senate, uh, first we're going to talk a little bit about Russia. Been some dramatic developments since the last time we got together. Uh, one of them breaking right now. If you remember, this is Real Impact from Just the News. Two weeks ago on this very podcast, we told you the story of how Adam Schiff managed to take 53 transcripts uh, that the House Intelligence Committee in 2018 voted to release and managed to keep them secret for nearly two years. 
by working with the ODNI and President Trump's old nominee, Senator Dan Coats, who used to run the ODNI. Uh, ironically, today is the day that Senator uh, President Trump's new nominee is facing senators for his confirmation hearing. Congressman John Ratcliffe set to be the new ODNI. Uh, there'll be a, a big change of guard there if the Senate votes him through. But while that's going on, we have uh, a letter today from uh, a bunch of Republicans led by Jim Jordan, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, but a bunch of other people, Ken Buck, James Sensenbrenner, Mike Johnson, Chip Roy, Mike Cloud, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Andy Biggs, who was just on the show last week, Louis Gohmert. Here is what they're demanding. Release those transcripts. Yes, the 51, 53 transcripts that uh, I talked about on this show a couple of weeks ago. These are the witness interviews that the House Intelligence Committee did when um, Devin Nunez was the chairman. They have a lot of exculpatory information in them, and uh, it appears that Adam Schiff has been keeping his thumb on them, keeping them from the American people, despite a vote of the uh, Congressional Committee to do so more than 18, 19 months ago. Uh, it's really interesting. I'm just going to read to the letter because one of the things that Republicans do in this letter is turn around the case on Schiff by pointing out he's the guy that perpetrated a large part of the Russian collusion narrative. And now that that has been disproven, they're turning his own words against him. I'm going to read from this letter. It's hot off the presses. It just came out a few minutes ago. Congressman Jim Jordan and a bunch of other Republicans sending the letter to Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, and to Devin Nunez, the ranking member and former chairman. Here's the, here's the key money passage from this letter. We understand now that Chairman Schiff is blocking the release of these transcripts. They understand that because it broke it just the news, right? This news of accurate is disturbing, especially in light of Chairman Schiff's cries in 2019 for transparency regarding allegations that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. For almost four years, prominent Democratic politicians and commentators alleged that President Trump colluded with Russia. With Chairman Schiff going so far as to say that he had, quote, direct evidence, close quote, of collusion. Now that these allegations have been disproven by several investigations, the American people deserve to have transparency about why public figures such as Chairman Schiff continue to promote such wild accusations. We hope you follow through on the September 20th, 2018 uh, House Intelligence Committee vote and publicly release the 53 transcript. Short of full public disclosure, however, we, we require access to this material for our ongoing oversight of the Department of Justice and Federal Bureau of Investigation. Well, there you have it. Uh, a story that broke on just the news now having impact in Congress. Republicans up the ante on Adam Schiff and also uh, demand access to the transcripts that have long been declassified. 40, uh, I believe 43 of them are declassified by Odie and I. They are sitting in Adam Schiff's hands, but they've been not they've not been released uh, today. The pressure ratchets up on the Democratic chairman to make good on the promise that Congress gave the American people in September 2018. A big development, but not the only one. Chris Ray, the FBI director on the hot seat and uh, uh, same group of Republicans and many, many others. Sidney Powell, the lawyer for Flynn, uh, former FBI officials, lots of people beginning to question Chris Ray's um, leadership. And here's why. If you take a look at the documents that the FBI and Special Counsel Mueller's office kept from Congress, the American public, and most importantly, the courts and the defense lawyers for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, the Trump National Security Advisor, here is the story that you now see. 
On January 4th, 2017, 16 days before Trump took office, the FBI's field office in Washington, which did an initial investigation of whether Flynn was a Russian asset, concluded there was no further reason to continue the investigation. There was no derogatory information in the FBI's files and intelligence files, and they ran an informant against Flynn. None of those things signaled any problem. And so the FBI agents recommended closing down the case. That's a document that Ray's FBI and the special counsel's office, Mueller's office, kept from the Flynn lawyers, the courts, the Congress, the American public. Then we find out that after intervention from the seventh floor, i.e. Comey's office in the FBI, that Pete Strzok recommended that the agents not close down the case against FBI. Again, these text messages which show this intervention kept from the Congress, kept from the courts, kept from the defense lawyers, kept from the American public. Um, that occurred in early January. Then the idea begins that rather than close down the case against Flynn, they're going to set up an interview to interview him. Even though there wasn't a predicate to do that interview, uh, they nonetheless set up an interview. There's a leak of Flynn's uh, comments, uh, uh, conversations with the Russian ambassador, January 12th time frame. No one's ever been found as the leaker of that, even though it was a very highly classified, improper news media leak. Private conversations between the incoming national security advisor of the Trump administration with the Russian ambassador. And then on January 24th, they go and do the interview with Flynn, where they then allege that he gave a lie. But before they do that interview, there's a series of meetings at the FBI. Uh, remember, 16 days earlier, or maybe actually more than that, 18 days earlier, uh, the FBI, I'm sorry, 20 days earlier, the FBI recommends that they shut down the investigation of Flynn. Now they want to have an interview with him, even though there's no predicated basis for that interview. Uh, in the meetings leading up to that, we now know that Bill Priestap, the counterintelligence chief for the FBI, an assistant director, one of the top uh, officials in the department, someone who reports to Andy McCabe and James Comey, he writes a, a, a notes to himself about these meetings preparing for the Flynn interview, which should have never happened under the FBI's normal protocol. And he raises the question that the FBI may be, quote, playing games and it might hurt the institution's reputation with this Flynn FBI. And then he raises the question, what's our goal? Is it to get the truth or is it to cause Flynn to lie so that we can, quote, get him prosecuted or get him fired. Those are very, very powerful handwritten notes. All of that information was withheld on a director Ray's watch, on special counsel Mueller's watch, from the American public, from the U.S. courts, from Flynn's lawyers, even though they were entitled to any evidence of innocence, and from the Congress that had requested these um, documents. And so you understand now why this frustration has grown with Ray. He appears to be an excuse maker, a uh, obfuscator, a document withholder in the eyes of his critics. And I, I want to uh, read one passage of a letter that uh, was sent by Republicans yesterday. I think it was not today, but yesterday. So this is an earlier letter than the one today. And it, they ask of Flynn, again, Jordan is one of the um, senders of this letter, but there are many others um, and and the, this sentiment is, I think, the sentiment that's driving the debate about Chris Ray's leadership in the FBI. Quote, we write to request that you immediately review the actions of the FBI in targeting Flynn. 
the American people continue to learn troubling details about the politicalization and misconduct at the highest levels of the FBI during the Obama-Biden administration, even more concerning. We continue to learn these new details from litigation and investigations, not from you, meaning Chris Ray. It is well past time that you show the leadership necessary to bring the FBI past the, F the abuses of the Obama-Biden area. Well past time that you show leadership. Very strong stinging words from House Republicans. I think these sentiments now are, are beginning to seep out beyond Congress to defense lawyers, to people in the Justice Department, to people in the Trump White House. So uh, that's, uh, that's my take on what's going on with Chris Ray. I would watch later this week to see if there's any action on Chris Ray. There's a lot of chatter. Now there's a lot of frustration. And there's a lot of new evidence for which there are questions. Why wasn't this produced earlier to the courts, to the Congress, to the American public? Um, I think this is a, a, a week in which Chris Ray's future will be decided uh, by people who will take a look at the FBI's conduct, the special counsel, Mueller's office conduct, and whether these efforts to withhold this evidence for so long were inappropriate or improper. Certainly Jim Jordan and a lot of the House Republicans think so. The real question is, does Bill Barr, does President Trump, does even uh, Chris Ray himself question what went on in the FBI over the last two years when this information was not produced and a false portrait was presented? Uh, all right. When we get back from the commercial break, an incredible interview with Shannon Grove, the Senate minority leader in the California Senate, the top Republican there. We're going to talk about all things coronavirus, including how is California, the sunshine state, getting on a path to reopening? And what lessons have we learned about the balance between security and First Amendment, religious freedom, uh, and does the one-size-fit-all coronavirus model really work in a state as big as California? Right after the commercial break, Shannon Grove. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, the Republican leader of the California Senate, Shannon Grove, is joining us. Shannon, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
it's a pleasure to have you. And I know there's a lot going on in California as you guys try to restart the economy and come back from the COVID-19 outbreak. Tell us a little bit. You're on the uh, governor's task force. Tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on in California and how you guys are starting to restart the economy. Well, right now, the governor has um, indicated yesterday that he's going to move to phase two, which is going to allow retail and some other um, essential, non-essential services, which he considers non-essential or on the essential critical, critical infrastructure list. He's going to allow some of those to open, he thinks, possibly by Friday or early next week. So I do know that he's touring a retail um, uh, store today. And um, and I know that he's talked about um, we are weeks away from uh, stage three, uh, which will be um, churches, schools, possibly in July. But we're worried about churches and the First Amendment rights, you know, that they have. And sure. To me, if you, can go to, if you can go to Lowe's and stand in line or Costco or Target, um, and I realize that um, it's regarding the food issue, right, or food or necessity issue. But, like, you can go to Target, but you can't go to Macy's. You can go to Walmart, but you can't go to Dillard's. You can go to um, you can go to all of those stores, and but you can't go get flowers for Mother's Day. So we do have counties in California, like Orange County, Kern County, Yuba, Sutter. Several counties have already um, uh, rescinded their orders to enforce the governor's shelter-in-place order. So local authorities are not enforcing um, the governor's shelter-in-place order in some counties already in California. They're moving ahead to open their economy safely, um, protecting the health and safety of their the community, but also allowing businesses to start reopening. Now, you're, I know you're a, a big woman of faith, and uh, this balance between uh, religious freedom and the First Amendment and the need to keep people safe— are you happy with the way your governor and other governors have dealt with it? Uh, and uh, tell me what you think about Bill Barr's intervention in the recent cases. I can tell you that, um, you know, I know Governor Greg Abbott has opened services for, um, you know, church people to go to church and um, maintaining social distancing and keeping people safe. You know, we have pastors in California that are ready to open. I mean, they're ready to open. They have a plan in place. They can do temperature checks. They can still maintain social distancing. Um, but the governor is still not allowing churches to participate or open um, at all. And um, he's not even using it till stage three. He's putting churches in the category of like major sporting events um, where thousands upon thousands of people gather. And um, he's not moving the number per se. So he's still saying um, individual, you know, you could have gatherings, but not, not more than 10 people. Or even if he raises the number to 50, I've had conversations um, with his staff regarding, you know, if you took 50 people at a small church, that would max them out shoulder to shoulder, but if, or any location really. But if you took 50 people in a place like Canyon Hills where they have, you know, seating for four, you know, 3,000 people, then that place would still look empty. Um, so the number piece um, isn't isn't what's important. What's important for churches is that. We have the ability to be able to worship and um, and freely worship and still maintain the health and safety of those around us. Um, I know they'll have to alter some of their, um, you know, processes that they have in place. But like I said, churches have already said that, you know, they have temperature checks. They're asking people if you're sick to stay at home and to go to the online service. Um, but, you know, they shouldn't, government shouldn't be able to restrict houses of worship. And I know Matt Staver is working on um, several lawsuits and several cases to protect churches that are, in fact, opening their doors. So Matt Staver of the Liberty Council and Liberty University, right? Yes. Yes. 
I should have been now, earlier. Sorry. No, no, yeah, no. I just want to introduce him to our our listeners. But yeah, he's a he's a very powerful force in the in the First Amendment fight for religious freedom. And we have three million people out of work in the state of California. We have three million yeah. people out of work in the state of California because of the governor's order to stay at home. And he and still a, a large percentage of those, and I don't have the exact percentage, but I can tell you the EDD payments that were supposed to go out to keep people going while they were sheltering at home and not going to work, it's been a complete disaster. Um, mm. People will wait hours online and still get hung up on hours online. They process their claims. I People call my office and they call the Senate office and other senators. They've waited five weeks now. Um, they still haven't gotten their first check. What do they do? So you have people that were working in a job that took care of their family. The governor issues a shelter-in-place order. You're now unemployed, and the state is supposed to provide you resources to still maintain your homes, your, protecting your family and feeding your family. And a lot of these people are ending up in food bank lines because it's the only resource that they have because the, governor, the government still has not um, fixed the unemployment issue, the unemployment uh, payment issue for EDD. Wow. Now, one thing California is talking about doing is giving money to the 150,000 illegal immigrants who are, are identified in the state. Talk a little bit about what, what message that sends. And are, are, do you support that? Do you oppose that? So I don't support it. As a matter of fact, the California Republican Party and our chairwoman, Jessica Patterson, has filed a lawsuit against the governor for um, right. it's unconstitutional. He can't use taxpayer dollars to to fund illegal immigrants. He can't. He can't. He can't use taxpayer dollars to fund his his agenda, which isn't constitutionally protected, right? He can't. Um, so we have filed a lawsuit, the California Republican Party, like I said, led by Jessica Patterson. And um, we're hoping to get that heard. It's uh, Harmeet Dillon is the attorney on that. She's um, she's the National Committee chairwoman as well for the Republican Party. And right. I wrote a letter in opposition of it with the governor. It's, um, you know, I, I have constituents that are still, like I said, not getting EDD payments, not getting, um, you know, people are in line for the lines go extinct. They're just extinct. They're really, really long. Um, these long lines for food banks. And so California citizens aren't getting the things that they need. Businesses are shuttering. Businesses, um, some businesses are not going to reopen again. Some businesses are operating just barely enough, 20% capacity to keep their doors open. Um, that money could be used uh, elsewhere to help California citizens, and it was wrong of him to do that. Yeah, and you, in fact, you suggested that maybe it should go to the food banks, right, and, and get frontline help to the folks that are waiting in those lines. Yes, food banks. And, you know, California has the most generous benefits under, you know, the Democrat complete authority. They have the most generous. California has the most generous benefits for our undocumented population. They go to school, they get hospitals, medical care. Um, they, you know, there's a tremendous amount of benefits that they have. They're covered under the health care program, under the state's health care program. Um, so I think in using this crisis to further your agenda is, is not right. And we do stand up and oppose it, like I said, and uh, file a lawsuit. One of the um, things that I've seen you and, and your fellow Republicans talk about is the danger of one size fits all, right? The larger you go up, if it's at the federal level or the state level, they try to impose a one size solution for a state the size of California, which is often larger than most countries. Um, 
you've been advocating for more local flexibility. Tell me how that is going and how that could change the dynamic over the next few weeks. Well, the president was wise enough to understand that the nation was uh, a very diverse nation, and he uh, authorized authority for the governors to be able to govern their state because some some states, while all states have been affected, some have been minimally, minimally impacted compared to New York or other states that had been highly impacted. Right. And so a lot of those states had um, allowed local authorities. So California being what the governor calls a nation state, you know, Kern County and our northern California counties and some of our southern California counties, not including Los Angeles area, but some of the desert areas have not been affected or impacted by the virus. I mean, take Kern County, for instance, you know, while every life is valuable from conception to natural death, um, we've lost seven people out of a population of 900, almost 900,000. So I understand that every life is valuable, but you don't shut down an entire economic engine of the oil and ag industry, which, you know, is food security. And you don't shut down, you know, every business and shelter the healthy in place when you have um, when you have a minimum impact. And so it's different than San Francisco or Los Angeles. In the governor's own words, I mean, he's he came out um, when he first started talking about how we were going to reopen. This was like three weeks ago when he talked about a plan that he put together. And he mentioned that, you know, he said that, you know, it's California's like a nation state and every county and community is different and some are impacted right. less than others. I mean, he made that statement and now he's still holding his statewide shelter in place in order. And a lot of counties are, like I said earlier, um, not rebelling, but just taking matters into their own hands. And they're using his own actions. You know, it was just, um, I think mean, it was in 2004, I could have a date wrong, but where he was the, uh, the uh, mayor of San Francisco and he defied the state order and started issuing marriage license to same-sex couples and he defied the state order. Well, it's similar to what the counties are doing now. They're defying the state order because they believe it's better for the health and safety of their communities. And they have a plan to keep people safe and start an economic recovery. So I know counties are not enforcing, some counties are not enforcing the governor's order, but the state still has control over like licenses and permits. And so the state could come down and enforce that and shut businesses down and pull their licenses. So there's that threat as well. No, I know, Senator, you've got to run to a meeting with the governor. Just throw one last question at you, and I appreciate your time and all of your wisdom and thought today. Um, what's the biggest lesson we've learned uh, in this pandemic as a country and, and, and for the state of California? What, what's the one takeaway we should have from this? You know, I think that United Americans are resilient. Number one, we're resilient. Um, and um, we will do what we can and all we can to make sure that people are healthy and safe and that we don't affect vulnerable populations because we deeply care about those populations. But we also, I think, what we have really understood is the impact that China has on our nation, um, impact on pharmaceuticals, on ventilators, on you know, production of things that we desperately need every day. And I think and I hope that um, Americans realize and Californians realize that China's impact on this nation has got to be addressed and got to be stopped. Yeah, big changes in the supply chain coming ahead. I, I suspect you assume that'll be that one of the things we'll be seeing in the next few months. Yes, and also from a biblical perspective, because I am a person of faith. Um, you know, I think we. I mean, obviously, we serve a Romans eight twenty eight God, and I'm. I think God will work all this out together for good. I really do. I think that I, people are, you know, more online services. People are going to church. Um, I heard from one person, I haven't been able to verify it, but he's a very credible individual. He told me that for the first time that, you know, churches and online services and seeking God had become higher in the search engine than 
thin pornography or things that had always been, you know, occupied the internet. And so I right. think the Lord is really moving through this. I really do. I think the Lord is really moving through this. And I think that, um, that, like I said, we serve a Romans 828 God and, and, I think a lot of things will be exposed that need to be exposed. I think he'll work all things out together for good. Well, uh, Senator Grove, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time today and John Solomon reports. We really look forward to watching how California proceeds as one of the leading edges of reopening our economy. And I hope to have you back on the show soon. Absolutely. You guys call anytime. Thank you, Senator. Have a good day and be safe. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Stay tuned with us at justthenews.com. Lots of breaking news this week. More revelations in the Russia case, coronavirus, keeping them honest in Congress and in agencies. Uh, I love our weekly award called the Golden Horseshoe that highlights waste, fraud, and abuse in government. And also our new Media Bias Award, if you haven't checked it out, called the Neutral Zone Infraction. Yes, we stole that from the NFL and from football. But you get the idea, the lack of neutrality in the American media today, a big issue. We highlight it each week. Go check out our most recent award winners. I think you'll enjoy them. Finally, before we go, one personal word of news. Uh, I have a book coming out later this uh, summer, July 14th or July 7th or the 14th. It's going to come out. It's called Fallout, uh, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, and the Washington Lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. It's with my co-authors, Seamus Bruner. Lots of new revelations about Russia, about Uranium One, about Ukraine, about impeachment. And basically what we do in this book is we show how the Russian reboot that Obama, Clinton, and Biden tried to orchestrate in 2009 turned out to be a disaster, one that gave us a rolling set of scandals. Every one of those things we just talked about, Russiagate, Ukraine, impeachment, uh, uranium one, all of those are uh, a, a continuum of dominoes that fall because the Obama Biden Clinton administration failed to handle the Putin reboot the way that they thought it was a disaster. We gave billions of dollars of uh, new business to uh, Russia trying to become their friend, and then Putin turned around, invaded Ukraine and the Crimea region, and uh, meddled in our election. And uh, as we now know, there was a lot of Russian disinformation against Donald Trump. Well, this book lays it all out. It's an eye opener. It just went on sale on Amazon. If you want to get an early uh, copy, go on Amazon right now. Look for the book Fallout, John Solomon, Seamus Bruner. The title again, Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, and the Washington Lies that Enriched the Clinton and Biden Dynasties. You're going to love this one. I hope you get a chance to get an early copy. Send it my way, and I'll autograph it for you if you'd like. Uh, but we're very excited. July 7th to the 14th, sometime in that window, the book will officially come out. I hope you get it on Amazon and get it early. We want to make this a bestseller so that the American public can benefit from all of the reporting that we did to get documents to classified and new information to the American public. All right, that wraps it up. On Thursday, we're going to have Dave Bossy of Citizens United, a big revelation on the Ukraine front. Yes, I'm teasing you, and I'm not going to give you anything more. We hope you come back on Thursday to hear us out on that big story. Until then, be safe, be healthy, enjoy your time with your family and your home. And uh, thank you for listening to John Solomon Reports. <laughs>